There we go. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Marin County Transit District Board of Directors meeting of Monday, November 7th, 2022. Uh, I'm going to ask our board clerk to please uh, call the roll and then read the information on public participation. Good morning, everyone. I will now call roll. President Moulton Peters. Here. Vice President Rice. Here. Second Vice President Lucan. Here. Director Arnold. Here. Director Collin. Present. Director Connolly. Director Rodoni. Here. Director Colbert. Here. Thank you. We have a quorum. Uh, let's see. Uh, now we'll read the instructions for submitting public comments. We are accepting public comments over the telephone, through our online form, and through email. Our public comment form is available on our website at marintransit.org forward slash meetings. We are also accepting comments on the following email address, info info at marintransit.org. Please note all comments received will become part of the meeting's written public record. If you are participating by telephone and wish to provide public comment, please press star nine when the public comment period is opened by the board president. After pressing star nine, please wait until you are notified that you've been unmuted, after which you'll be given a specific amount of time to speak by the board president. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, with that, we'll turn now to open time for public expression. If there's anyone in member of the public who'd like to share comments on items not on today's agenda, this would be the time to do that. So if you can raise your hand uh, and you'll have two minutes. Give everyone a moment listening in to raise their hand if they wish. We don't have any phone callers at this moment. I don't see anyone at this time. Okay. Thank you. We'll close public uh, expression and move to Board of Directors matters. I'm going to look at my colleagues. Is there anyone who has an announcement uh, from the board? Uh, yes, Commissioner Lucan. Uh, thank you, Sherry. Uh, just just a quick one. Um, uh, as most of my colleagues know, I've been uh, the MCCMC representative on this board for a number of years, um, but that uh, time is wrapping up at the end of this year. We had our MCCMC meeting uh, the other week uh, and made some appointments. I will start at the first of the year. One is I want to recognize uh, Director uh, Colbert, uh, who has been a, an alternate and is now going to be a regular member uh, of Marin Transit um, by MCCMC. And uh, Mary Beth Bushy was also selected elected by MCCMC to be uh, a regular member. So I think those are all taking place at the start of the year. Just wanted to share that with, with my colleagues here. Thank you, Eric. And would um, Council Member Bushy be the alternate then? I'll turn it over to Mayor Kate. Yeah, no, no, I'll jump in. I, she is, um, right? I mean, Brian, I, I, can I, I jump in? Can I jump yeah, in? Yeah, you jump I, in. We all jump <laughs> in. Sorry, 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 no. So uh, Mary Beth and I will be the permanent members. Mary Beth will be a permanent member for two years. I will be a permanent member for one year. Fred Casisa out of Puerto Madero will be the new alternate. Very good. Thank you for the clarification. Okay. I'm not seeing any other hands, so we'll move now to the general manager's report. Good morning, Nancy. Good morning, President Moulton Peters and directors. Um, I'm going to have uh, Rodolfo share the screen for me today, if that's all right, for my report. 
and you can go to the next slide, Rodolfo. Um, there we go. So um, just wanted to update you all on the rush landing electrification project. Uh, phase one of that project was to install electric bus charging infrastructure at the site. And in 2020, Marine Transit applied for and was accepted into PG&E's Fleet Ready program. And through this program, PG&E brought additional power to the site and will provide a small rebate for the uh, bus chargers, while Marine Transit is responsible for all infrastructure beyond the PG&E meter, including wiring, trenching, and the chargers. And that was the subject of this uh, phase one project. Uh, the process has been longer than expected. Uh, the construction contract was awarded for this project in September of 2021, and the majority of the work was completed in February of 2022. But uh, as we've reported previously, supply chain issues delayed the switchgear electrical equipment. The switchgear was delivered, however, and installed the first week of October and PG&E has now completed their work to uh, add the required electrical service to the site. And we expect that the chargers will be activated this week. There are four of them that will charge the four uh, battery electric Gillig buses that we have there on site. Um, next, uh, the buses will be tested and drivers and mechanics will be trained. And then we expect to put the buses into full passenger service in March of next year. So good news on that project. Uh, next slide, Rodolfo. Um, I wanted to give you a quick update on the status of the San Rafael Transit Center relocation project. Um, their big milestone was reached uh, recently with the release of the final environmental impact report. Uh, you may recall that back in August of 2021, the draft uh, EIR was released and we're in transit. <laughs> submitted a comment letter that um, in, in November of 2021, where we supported the move whistle stop alternative, which was one of the four alternatives studied in the DEIR. Uh, the FEIR, which was released just two weeks ago, uh, incorporates responses to the city of San Rafael's comments. And the move whistle stop alternative has been identified as the preferred alternative, uh, preferred project, I should say, in the FEIR. As the lead agency, Golden Gate Bridge Highway and Transportation District Board will consider adoption of the FEIR in December. And meanwhile, our staff, Marine Transit staff, is reviewing the FEIR revisions and plans to return to your board with a presentation on the, the relocation project at a future meeting. Next slide. So turning to ridership, uh, Marine Transit continues to perform well and, and uh, be, the ridership continues to be strong compared to our pre-COVID ridership. Our, we are outpacing our Bay Area Transit Agency uh, peer agencies in terms of our percentage of ridership compared to pre-COVID ridership. And this chart shows uh, for the month of August that we were at 85% of pre-COVID ridership and that's system-wide. That's, so that's for both fixed route and paratransit. Next slide. And this slide just shows again where Marine Transit shows compared to all the Bay Area operators in terms of uh, monthly ridership, again, system-wide ridership on Marine Transit uh, for the month of August was a total of 232,000. Uh, and we are about uh, eighth, I think there, yeah, eighth uh, among all of the Bay Area operators in terms of ridership, which is pretty, 
pretty amazing given um, that we are one of the smaller operators. Uh, next slide, kind of continuing with our ridership. This is what is in your monthly report. As you know, we report to you uh, each month on our ridership, fixed route ridership here in this chart shows for the month of August. Um, it shows that we were, again, 234 is what we're showing here. And the gray line shows where we were for the prior year. So that's not the pre-COVID year, but for the, for the last fiscal year. So we have uh, shown a pretty good increase in, in August. Um, the, the, and that, that's on the, the red line there. Uh, ridership on fixed route services, in fact, increased by 35% from the prior year, and it's about 13.5% decline compared to pre-COVID uh, in August of 2019. So next slide. And this one is just the demand response uh, ridership. And you can see again, the red line showing where we are this year. And in August, we were at about 6,500 passengers. Um, and last year we were at about 6,300. So uh, as we've reported previously, our demand response ridership paratransit service to older adults and people with disabilities tends to lag where our fixed route ridership is. So um, we are seeing some growth, but not, not the same kind of growth that, that we've seen on the fixed route. And I think that concludes my report there and be happy to take any questions. Thank you, Nancy. I see Director Arnold's hand up. No, Director Arnold can't move this uh, this thing down. So I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, any questions for our general manager? I'm not, I'm seeing a lot of smiles, but no hands up uh, for questions. So. Uh, we will move to uh, public comment on the general manager's report. Yeah, Holly? Just a reminder, listeners, that they can raise, use the raise hand icon in the meeting if they wish to comment on the general manager's report. No one at this time, President Peters. Okay, thank you. Uh, with that, we'll move on to item number four, the consent calendar. Uh, these are routine items, and if there's any member of the board or the public who wishes to pull an item for discussion, now would be the time. Um, uh, sorry, President Moulton-Peters, Nancy Whelan here. Um, staff would like to pull item 4E, the purchase of the 10 vans, and bring that back to a future board meeting. Okay, very good. All right, uh, if, we're, if there are no hands up, on the board or the uh, public, then I accept a motion uh, with this modification of removing item 4E for future discussion. Sir I'll Baker, that. thank you. Uh, Director Arnold, is there a second. second? Thank you. Is that Director Lucan? Great. Okay, roll call, please. All right. President Moulton Peters, how do you vote? Yes. Vice President Rice? Yes. Second Vice President Lucan? Yes. Director Arnold? Aye. Director Collin? Aye. Director Connolly? Aye. Director Rodoni? Aye. Thank you, that matter carries. Very good. We'll move now to the first of two informational items. This is the annual update on school services. Yes, and uh, Chris Whitlock will be presenting this item. We're gonna let him get a chance to pull up his PowerPoint presentation. This is essentially an annual report and as you mentioned, an information item on school services. 
All right. So good morning, President Malton Peters, members of the board. Uh, we're going to briefly touch on Marin Transit School Transportation Services and provide you with an update on how these programs have been operating over the past year. So Marin Transit provides or facilitates a variety of transportation services directed towards riders under the age of 18, which represents approximately 25% of our total ridership. We offer transit routes during peak weekday hours that are scheduled to meet the bell times of schools. We also work with school staff to help facilitate pass dis distribution for two pass programs, the College Marin Pass and the Youth Pass. This is all in addition to our public transit routes, which also provide students with transportation options to and from school or to and from after school or recreational destinations. For our supplemental school route services, Marin Transit serves all seven public high schools in the urbanized areas of Marin County, as well as any adjacent middle schools located along the route service area. This service provides up to 26 peak hour bus trips on weekdays while schools are in session. This is slightly down from pre-pandemic levels uh, where we were providing 26 peak hour bus trips. This reduction is due primarily on account of two factors, the ongoing nationwide driver shortage, which began impacting our services in the fall of 2021 and the implementation of Senate Bill 328 from which schools uh, responded by adjusting their high school bell schedules to all start at or around 8.30 a.m. So whereas in prior years, we, the school start times varied and were staggered, which allowed us to use the same driver and vehicle to serve multiple schools, uh, we no longer have that flexibility. <laughs> Factors continue to force us to maintain a lower level of service frequency in comparison to previous years. So to facilitate smooth operations, provide access to Marine Transit services for younger students attending a Marine County school, the Youth Pass allows for unlimited travel on Marin Transit service and costs $325 a year. Students who are income qualified receive the pass for free, and Marin Transit staff work with school coordinators to verify income eligibility requirements and facilitate the distribution of the pass stickers to the students. Last year, uh, approximately 1,500 annual passes were distributed to students at 29 different schools in the county and 95% of those students received the pass free of charge. Since we're still in the first few months of the new school year and many schools are in the process of distributing the passes, we'll need to wait until a later date uh, before providing an analysis of the current year. As it stands now, however, we are looking at uh, distributing around the same number of passes as last year. So in addition to this program, students under the age of 18 uh, can also pay a single ride fare of a dollar per trip uh, which is a discount from the regular $2 fare, or they can apply for a youth clipper card, which automatically deducts the discount. And in uh, August of 2015, Marin Transit and the College of Marin began a partnership that enables uh, students to use a valid College of Marin student ID within a fixed pass sticker to ride any local Marin Transit service. This program is funded through a college marine transportation fee approved by the student body in 2015. Fall winter passes are valid from August through January and spring summer passes are valid from January through August. Effective August 1st of this year, Marin Transit uh, moved the midday route 622 service which provided college marine students with an express connection between San Rafael and the College of Marin. Uh, we moved that to our Route 22 weekday schedule. 
So this means that Route 22 now provides a 30-minute frequency from approximately 7 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. Monday through Friday. With this service expansion, we've seen a significant increase in Route 22 ridership. In September of this year, ridership increased by 7,000 passengers in comparison to September of 2021, and 34% of those passengers are college and rent students. So the three-year 2023 through 2025 Measure AA school transportation funding cycle, which allocates 5% of Measure AA funds to regular home to school transportation and the urbanized areas of Marin County, was approved by your board in June 6th of this year. The new term allocates $750,000 annually to five yellow school bus programs, Miller Creek School District, San Rafael Elementary School District, Tiburon JPA, Ross Valley School District, and Sausalito Marin City School District. So four of these programs participated in the first funding cycle with Sausalito Marin City School District being the newest program. The funding is distributed on a formula basis that is determined by each program's size and scope, and each program must certify annually that certain eligibility requirements have been met, like a 20% match from local contributors and a discount of at least 50% off to income eligible students. And uh, one of those programs or one of those uh, Measure A recipients is the Ross Valley School District. Their yellow bus program began in the 2015-2016 school year when Marin Transit transitioned the supplemental service at White Hill Middle School to yellow bus service. This uh, was due to the high cost of service to White Hill Middle School and the recommendation in the countywide student transportation study to focus yellow bus service at grades K through eight. In 2019, the Joint Exercise of Powers Agreement or GIPA committee was established to provide oversight to the program from key stakeholders and representatives from the County of Marin, Town of Fairfax, Town of San Anselmo, and the Ross Valley School District. Marin Transit contracts directly for the service, managing past sales, marketing, and facilitating customer service issues while partnering with the bus operator, Michael's Transportation, and the school district. The program uses five buses to operate 18 total trips to three schools, Whitehall Middle School, uh, Hidden Valley Elementary, and Rawls Valley Charter School. This year, approximately 600 one-way annual passes have been distributed to 349 individual students. This is a, roughly a 4% increase over last year, and about 300 of those students attend Whitehall Middle School. So that means approximately 45 to 50% of the Whitehill Middle School student body uh, utilizes this service. So this concludes the uh, school transportation service presentation. Although there have been a number of impacts from the pandemic and other factors like the nationwide driver shortage, we have been seeing signs of growth and improvement over the last year, especially. And uh, as we continue moving into a post-pandemic world, uh, staff will continue to monitor these trends and look at options that can assist in improving the services to better meet the needs of our passengers. And with that, I'll take your questions. Uh, thank you, Chris. If we could go back to a gallery screen, please. Super. Uh, questions or com comments from my colleagues. This is an informational item. Oh dear, I'm not. Here 
sure I am. Okay, questions or comments? Uh, Commissioner Lucan? Uh, thank you, Chris, for that. Um, I, I, the one thing that stood out to me uh, is 95% of the youth passes that we give out are, are given out for free, which is I think is incredible. But I think it also brings up a question of, you know, does at what point does it make sense to just look at utilizing a student's ID as as a free pass? I mean, it, uh, the amount of the amount of effort it takes to charge for the five percent that are buying these and affixing the stickers to the student IDs and all of this. I mean, at what point do we say, you know what, maybe we ought to do a pilot or try, obviously not for yellow bus, but for the, the Marin transit routes where a student ID is is your ticket on board that's that's your fare any any thoughts to that i know we i know we've done some promos and pilots um here and there but uh just want to get your thoughts no I, yeah that that certainly makes sense um i i think we'll, we'll be looking at some changes uh when clipper 2.0 is implemented um i think uh that will be a good opportunity to maybe uh, consider that as an option I, I, I think that would be great. You know, as much as we're trying to incentivize youth to take the bus and removing even just one more barrier for entry um, for, for a student or a parent to try it with their kid, um, you know, just with a student ID, get, get in the habit of it. Um, I think we can, uh, we could expand that pool if we make it even easier to ride. I, I know there's a, there's a cost consideration there, but um, doesn't look like it would be that much. So I appreciate us continuing to look at that. If I can just add in, yeah, we we are going to do, as Chris mentioned, quite a bit of fair work coming up here in the coming months. One is to look back and evaluate those programs, that the pilots that you mentioned. So we will be looking at how those performed as well as the upcoming Clipper 2.0, which will expand our opportunities for the different types of fair media that we offer or the, you know, the pricing and that sort of thing. So there's a lot more to come on this and we're, we're working hard on it right now. So thanks for the question. Uh, Director Rice. Yeah, thank you, uh, Chris. Thank you for the um, the report. Uh, and I'm uh, just really heartened to see, um, especially on the calm, the the ridership for the the College of Marin ridership, um, really kind of climbing back up there. I am thinking that with gas prices the way they are, there's a whole there is a community that is um, maybe going to be even more likely to jump on on the bus. And if there's a, a good route sort of between San Rafael and Calm, that's that, that kind of frequency is just great. I think um, com, uh, Director Lucan's um, ideas are really is really important. Um, you know, where is the where the balancing the the work that it takes to distribute passes with the you know um, inter, you know what, what's the trade off? And I and I actually think that it's it's probably more burdensome to be doing the distribution, but I think it is key to be able to still collect data. So just having somebody show a pass is not going to be as good as having a Clipper 2.0, even if it's a free pass, to just so we have a sense of ridership of what's happening. So I would say if we were to move to just a youth student ID and or at least have folks, um, you know, if there's some way to program a Clipper so that people still have ridership ability without having to pay, but then you can really track what's going on. And that's one of the, I assume that's one of the benefits of having Clippers, it provides data. And then just lastly, um, 
I think the school, all the school service, whether it's the supplemental school service or the yellow bus service, the youth pass um, are really important um, at a host of levels, uh, congestion, green trips, um, equity, and um, also just trying to motivate that culture of rider that, or you know, encourage a culture of, of public transit ridership. So I think the more we can do in this area, the better. And um, I wish we could do something about the high school bell times. I think that's just a, it's killing us. That's thank all, you. thanks. Thank, thank you for those comments. I uh, see Director Colbert. Yeah, well, uh, supervisor, I agree with all supervisors rights, uh, Rice's comments. Um, and a uh, special thanks to Marin Transit for their, their work in uh, Ross Valley Chipa. Um, they really sort of pull it together. And as we sort of move forward to these fair discussions, I certainly appreciate the value of uh, perhaps a 0% fair for the students. But I also just wanna sort of, as Marin Transit moves along, there is something, some value for people having to pay at least something. So they just appreciate that there's some value. And, and I don't know like how those studies play out for the youth. So I would just wanna sort of keep that in mind um, as we move forward. Certainly wanna reduce all friction points, but sometimes when something is cost less, people don't recognize there's a cost to it and their behavior may uh, have negative repercussions. But again, thank you for the fine report, Chris. Thank you. Any other board comments? Uh, yes, Supervisor Adoni. Yeah, thank you. Um, I was just wondering if with our electrification infrastructure, there's been any thoughts given to sharing that with uh, local school districts and things? Because I heard from Congressman Huffman at the recent uh, community forum that the federal government is really pushing for electrification of yellow school buses. And in, in fact, I believe Bolinas has already obtained a grant to get to replace their one or two buses with uh, electric. So I just wondered with our infrastructure, if we thought about that opportunities for sharing it when times we're not using it has come up in your thought process as we build it out. <coughs> yeah, I'll um, take a stab at that one. Yeah, we we are really early in the process, as you know, of, of kind of what, what direction we're going with electrification. And certainly our biggest hurdle, as you, as you know, is having a property where we can make that investment to have uh, uh, electrification for all of our buses. So that is that is our first hurdle. But as we move forward, a couple of things are going on. One is that we are um, continuing to evolve our plan and we will look at things like that. I think that's a, a good point. But also the region is looking at, MTC is looking at, uh, they have a study that is um, just starting now on electrification because it is an enormous issue for all of the bus transit operators. And so they are looking at ways that we can do things like you're talking about. Well, how can we share resources? Also standardization, looking at you know different ways to, to standardize the charging infrastructure because that isn't fully standardized yet. It's not like a gas pump that pretty much you can take your car to. So that that's um, one of the issues that they'll be looking at as well as some of the other procurement issues to help those of us who don't have um, the ability to, to do detailed specs and, and that sort of thing. Uh, so, so there are a number of things that are coming up here. 
and and there is quite a bit of money out there now. And uh, so, you know, I feel a little bit like we're kind of behind the curve on that one, but we're going to keep applying for um, what we, we think we might be able to do in terms of piloting some of these things as well. But we'll definitely look at the, the uh, ability to, to share with the yellow bus. Great. Uh, thank you, Nancy. And I'm going to add a comment to Director Radoni's, and that is first appreciation. You know, we've been at this yellow school bus effort for seven years now, and it's really great to see how it's evolved and, and stabilized despite all the challenges we have. But it really was novel for a transit agency to take on yellow school bus. And you've done it and you've done it very well. Um, in, in addition to the uh, electrification issue, I wonder if going forward we could add to these annual reports an update on projected state funding that may become available uh, through the legislature. I know this hasn't happened yet, uh, and I know that we are looking for some um, uh, legislative uh, support and ways of consultants, but uh, there, there is activity brought forward by in other parts of the state to provide a school bus uh, funding, and I think it would just be great if we could be kept abreast of this. Uh, that will certainly solve a lot of our constraints if that ever gets off the ground, and and in conjunction with electrification funding. So, okay, thank you. I'm going to now ask if there's any public comment on this item. Would everyone listening have a chance to raise their hand if they wish to comment on item five? No takers at this time. Okay, very good. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for the report. Much appreciated. Our final item this morning is the Mirwood shuttle update. Yes, and uh, Robert Betts, our Director of Planning and Service Development, will be sharing his screen and providing this report on Mirwood Shuttle. Good morning, President Moulton Peters, Board of Directors, Robert Betts, Director of Operations and Service Development. Oh, am I good? Sorry. Um, item number six in your packet is an update on our Mirwood Shuttle program. And compared to our other fixed route programs, the Mirwood shuttle uh, program has been a little bit slower to respond coming out of the pandemic. It was one of the two programs we immediately suspended uh, following the uh, government shutdown. And last summer, in the summer of 2021, we did a slow introduction. We brought back some of, some of the service on a limited basis. And then this last summer, uh, we tried to bring the service back as close as we could to pre-pandemic levels. So this update is... Um, to give you uh, uh, a sense of a couple of the uh, changes we did this last summer and the status of those changes. <clears throat> so the two major changes we did this last summer, we first restored service on what we call our 66F alignment, which is our service to the Sausalito Ferry Terminal. We brought that service back starting Memorial Day weekend, and we ran that service weekends and holidays through Labor Day weekend. We also uh, reintroduced our weekday service from Larkspur, and this is a service that runs a six-week period, five days a week, um, between June 20th and August 12th. And in total this summer, uh, on our Sausalito services, we served nearly 11,000 uh, passengers. 
The other major change uh, was a relocation of our Pohono Park and Ride uh, stop to the Larkspur Ferry Terminal. And we made this change actually just after Memorial Day weekend. Um, and we are we continue to actually use the Larkspur Terminal. We, we, we use this uh, facility for weekend and holiday service. Um, and during that same time frame over the summer, we saw about the same number of visitors use the service. So we had about a 50-50 split this summer between ridership out of Sausalito and, a, and uh, the new service out of the Larkspur Ferry Terminal. <clears throat> so staff spent some time uh, this fall after we, we did the relocation to evaluate how our Larkspur service uh, functioned this, this summer and uh, to determine if we should continue at the Larkspur terminal or make a switch back to Pohono. Staff used uh, five factors to uh, do, conclude our evaluation. The first was the operational impacts of, of the service. We looked at the schedule and the service level impacts of, of the change from um, the two terminals. Uh, we also looked at, at some of the passenger amenities, uh, the on-site information, we looked at access and transit connections, and then the actual wayfinding um, to the stops themselves. Uh, to do this evaluation, we interviewed our operators, our drivers, our management team that were out there every weekend, as well as our scheduling team that, that developed the schedules for the service. And then we did a passenger survey in August, and, and I believe we, we received about 250 responses to that passenger service, or I'm sorry, that passenger survey that we used to um, provide some input on, on our recommendations. The table on this slide was included in your report. It provides um, some qualitative assessment from our operation feedback and some quantitative analysis from the passenger feedback. Uh, let me start with, with how the, the sites performed in terms of operations. Um, Pahono was uh, scored the lowest in terms of operations, and this is largely, and, and this is no surprise, but this is largely uh, because we, we do basically use an, op an office park facility as a park and ride facility uh, to support the shuttle on, on uh, weekends and, and holidays. Uh, that that site is, has three different property owners. It's really not designed to uh, accommodate large transit buses picking up and dropping off passengers in, in that location. Um, that, that site also gets used by many other users on the weekend. So we have recreational cyclists that use it to park to use the multi-use path. We have other uh, productions in West Marin that use it as their park and ride. We know Mountain Home uh, will, will use it on a number of different weekends. Uh, and we really, you know, we don't have full control of that facility. So the operations team has to use temporary signage, cones, other types of uh, guidance uh, to get passengers on and off buses at that facility. The other major obstacle with Pahono is, is the king tides and the flooding that occurs primarily in the falls and or during the fall and, and winter season. Uh, but on some days, it completely restricts our access to that site. And then some days, it actually restricts our ability to, to get passengers back to their vehicles after we've started service in the morning. Uh, Larkspur does score the highest in terms of operations. It was a purpose-built uh, transit park and ride facility. It has actual bus bays. Uh, it was designed for bus movement turns in and out of the facility, and it has a surplus of parking, uh, especially on the weekends for our riders. 
In terms of service levels, um, when we compared Pohono to Larkspur, uh, Pohono, we can, we can actually run more service out of Pohono. And this is because the site itself is closer to Mere Woods and the one-way travel time is less than uh, both Larkspur and Sausalito. So when we compare the two sites, we can actually get more trips out of the same number of drivers uh, and vehicles uh, compared to Larkspur. The passenger survey results, uh, the numbers that we're showing here in the table are from the actual survey results. And these are the percentage of passengers that responded as either good or very good when we asked them about different features of the stop. Um, the first one, passenger amenities, I'll, I'll just go ahead and highlight the fact that less than 50% of our responses on nearly every stop said that the, the amenities were good or very good. And um, so these are pretty low scores. Uh, Pohono did have a slightly higher uh, score compared to the other two facilities. Um, the other two categories did score higher in general and, and Larkspur uh, did score the highest of the three sites uh, followed by Pohono and Sausalito. And these, this is when we asked about things like on-site information and wayfinding, how, how easy was it to actually find the stop itself. So as I mentioned, when we looked at service comparison, um, the, the travel time between Pohono and, and Mirror Woods um, is, at least on the schedule, we give it 35 minutes, whereas Larkspur, we, we give 45 minutes, and Sausalito is between 50 and 55 minutes. So simply as a function of the one-way travel time, we can get more service when we run out of Pohono compared to Larkspur and Sausalito. When we compare back to our 2019 uh, summer schedule, um, two things happened. One, the shorter travel times in Pohono gave us more trips, but back in 2019, we were also running more service. And that was because we had more operator availability and we weren't, you know, in the, in the driver shortage uh, challenge that, that we faced this last summer. So back in 2019, we ran 12 buses in peak season, 54 trips were offered to the woods, this summer, with running nine buses, we offered 31 daily trips. And this was the weekend and holiday uh, service levels. We also looked at transit access and connections. We were excited about Larkspur, primarily because not only did it offer another ferry option for our riders, but it also offered the uh, option of the smart train. Um, but as we can see, the, the, the boxes we're showing here are the percent of passengers that actually took bus, rail, or ferry to get to the stop. Uh, so back in 2016, when, when we did the survey out of Pohono, 3% of passengers took uh, bus service to get to the stop. This last summer with Larkspur, about the same, 2% took bus, rail, or ferry to get to the stop. Sausalito, however, continues to be strong uh, nearly half of our passengers that ride the Mirwood shuttle service out of Sausalito take bus or ferry to get to or from the stop. We also looked at how passenger distribution changed between the relocation between Pohono and Sausalito. Uh, and the biggest uh, observation we had here was, was the San Francisco-based visitors. So when we look back at 2016, about half of all the, the passengers at the Pohono location came from San Francisco. This summer, when we looked at Larkspur, only 28% came from San Francisco. And really what, what we observed here was a shift 
between our San Francisco passengers using Sausalito compared to the Pohono Park and Ride historically. So the percent this summer at Sausalito went up 8% compared to our, our pre-COVID numbers. The percent at Larkspur for Marin County and Sonoma County uh, and the East Bay and Sacramento significantly increased compared to our historic Pohono percentages. So looking ahead at, at 2023, uh, we are planning to continue to run uh, weekend and holiday service from Larkspur and continue to suspend the Pohono operations. We've already extended our uh, agreement with the Golden Gate Bridge Highway Transportation District. They've been a great partner in allowing us to use that facility on uh, the weekends. And, and we do plan to continue that at least through the off-peak season uh, until we get back into peak operations uh, next spring and summer. Um, we will use Sausalito as needed uh, for any weekday service during that time frame. Our, our current agreement with the Bridge District uh, does not allow us to use that facility on the weekdays, so we have some upcoming weekday service around Thanksgiving and Christmas, uh, and then any of the holidays that fall on a weekday, we'll, we'll go back and use Sausalito as needed uh, this year. Uh, the other thing, the, the major change here that, that uh, actually we released last week is a new RFP for the service. The operations and maintenance agreement does expire June 30th of 2023. So we released a new RFP soliciting uh, interest in, in providing the service for another four to seven years. Uh, and, and a big change that, that we are including in this um, RFP is, is a, a shift away from calling it traditional public transit service and a lot of this is really due to the change that the national parks um, or that, that we've made in partnership with the park service on, on the reservation system. Um, and, and you know, traditionally with a public transit service, the expectation is you can walk up, you can get on the bus, and then in the same thing in the opposite direction. And with the new reservation system, we really want to encourage all of our passengers to be utilizing that, that reservation system. Uh, and not to be holding seats um, open for uh, walk-up passengers. So that's a, a, a fairly significant change, and um, we'll be looking to see how the industry responds uh, to that RFP. And with that, I'd be happy to answer any questions. Thank you. I see Director Kahn has her hand up. Robert, thank you. That is a great presentation and a, a kudos to Marin Transit for trying something new. It's hard to, to try a new service. And I thought that was really clear. Uh, a question regarding the passenger amenity numbers. And I thought it was interesting. You said they <laughs> barely make over 50%. Just in general, what, what do you think uh, people are looking for? Like, I don't know if, what it said in the survey that would get that number higher. Is that even, and what is that? And is it even possible for us to look to have something like that at Larkspur or is it more just infrastructure? Yeah, I, I think a big piece is infrastructure. We we really have tried over the years to to increase that that um, amenity rating. Um, as you may recall, we invested in, in the mobile information kiosk, which which gives a little bit more passenger information. It gives a little more presence to the stop. We do contract every weekend to have porta potties and and hand washing stations and garbage collection. These are things that we bring in and then take away at the end of the service day. I think a, a you know a big one is simple things like sh a shade structure. You know, just being protected from from the elements. 
Um, and, you know, oftentimes we get pretty good crowds and pretty big lines. So, you know, it's not just a matter of a canopy or a little pop-up tent. It's, it's much more than that. Um, and then I think, you know, as, as a lot of our riders are tourists and they're coming in and they're looking for other amenities. Um, so, you know, somewhere to get something to eat and something to drink and, and, uh, something a little bit more than just a parking lot. Um, no, no, thank you. I, I mean, Larkspur, um, all, all the, those retail and restaurant shops are close by. I mean, my, my thought was, and it was interesting how people got there, right? So they're driving themselves there, according to your data, like they could get something to eat. And I don't know if we have any sense of whether they stop at the country mart before they come over before or after, to your point about them being tourists. Yeah, I, th I think we were a little disappointed that those scores did come in pretty low. I think we we had really thought with that move, we'd, we'd see higher results uh, from, from the survey, especially in, in that area compared to Pahono. Okay, so maybe it's something we build on for the next year. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Director Rodoni. Hi, thanks, Robert. Really good report. Am I hearing this right, that there was 10,000 passengers out of Sausalito and 10,000 out of Larkspur for a total of over 20? Roughly. Now, now keep okay. in mind, we, we always report ridership, which are, you know, basically double that to get your ridership. But but for this report, we decided to present it in terms of actual visitors that we served. Okay, very good. And then do you think Larkspur, since it's so new as a location, that may be the reason why people aren't choosing to use other public transportation? I do suspect that there is some some education and marketing that that could be done to increase those percentages, especially with with the smart train, um, which provides a pretty good week weekend service level. Uh, the service levels on on the Golden Gate Ferry weekend service are still pretty low. Um, so Sausalito definitely is a better option if you want to take the ferry out of San Francisco. But but I would expect that potentially if some increased marketing, we could get some better ridership from the smart. Service. Sure. Yeah. And I appreciate that probably reaching out to Sonoma tourism and people in the North Bay that just make that connection would be helpful. I, I don't know what the visitations like at Muir Woods, maybe if they get some info, have some information about where their clientele is coming from, that might be helpful to how much you market uh, in the North Bay. So, anyway, thank you, Robert. Good report. Thank you. Okay, so I'm not seeing other hands, but once again, I'm going to tag on to something Director Rodoni said, and that is about marketing, which is something that I feel like between our Marin Tourist Bureau, Visitors and Tourist Bureau, uh, Sonoma County, and the Country Mart itself, I would be surprised if they wouldn't be willing to put in some funding uh, uh, to market the service and their shops and restaurants. So I don't think we need to do this by ourselves. Um, and same with the Sausalito Chamber. I don't know what our connection is with them, but they're a pretty robust little group down there. So uh, if, if that's not in our bailiwick to um, pursue marketing with these other organizations, perhaps some of us electeds could help with that or at least make those connections. Uh, if you don't have them, I suspect you do. Anyway, and I do agree with um, Director uh, Colin as well that you know, getting at what are the amenities. I, I Larkspur and Sausalito strike me as as much of a tour a transit center location as we're going to get. 
So, so what is it that would make these things more welcoming and friendly? And then let's talk with Golden Gate about those things too. So anyway, thank you for the report, Robert. I know we're always working on it and good to see the evolution over time. And I'll look forward to the RFP. I know we all will coming back and what we learn. So I'm gonna open to public comment one last time for today. We do have someone who's raised their hand. I'm gonna ask Kevin Carroll to unmute. Uh, good evening, commissioners, uh, or afternoon. Um, it just occurs to me, there were a number of things in the report that kind of stuck out to me. One, he mentioned something about working with Golden Gate Transit about the location in Sausalito. And my understanding is the area where your buses are parking and where the um, information van parks are part of Sausalito. And I'm wondering what coordination is done with Sausalito and their parking lots. And I noticed there was no real input regarding what their capacities are down there and the you know, if there is availability or not versus the operating costs of Larkspur, all the amenities that you guys are providing and paying for porta potties and all the rest of it. And if there isn't a cost comparison that could be made um, to that. So just briefly those comments. Thank you very much. Uh, no other comments? Okay. Uh, thank you again for the report and for the work. Let's keep at it. And uh, with that, I believe we are adjourned. Thank you, everyone. See you next month. Thank you.